Hey guys! Welcome to Reclaiming Philippine Identity Season 4 Episode 3. Today on the podcast, I had me- I had the opportunity to invite Megan Navarrete in the podcast today. Uh, it's really an honor to have her here because I've known her since I was in middle school. And I honestly, when I was asking her to come on this podcast i was very hesitant because it's been a while since i've kind of kept in touch with her but i've but since in the digital realm like i've been following her and her work through instagram and it it was just a very great timing to just have her here today and to just share her story and her experience about being Filipino in Hawaii and especially now that she has relocated um, to the continental states I really wanted to hear her experience now um, especially because it's different if it's different when you move um, from Hawaii for the longest time and I felt like though for those of you listening or will be listening to this podcast you'll resonate with her with her narrative a lot and I hope that you you may take away something within this episode without further ado and I don't want to keep this intro long I welcome you to the podcast Megan Navarrete Hi guys, I welcome you guys to season four of Reclaiming Filipinx Identity. Today on the podcast, I've invited Megan Navarrete to be here today with us. So without further ado, Megan, could you a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself, um, profession, your preferred gender pronoun, and which waves of migration were you from? And tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, of course. (laughs) My name is Megan Navarrete. I am a full-time student, but I also work as a kindergarten and first grade aftercare teacher. And I'm also a barista. So yes, I have quite a full plate on my hands. My preferred gender pronouns are she and her. And I am a first and a half generation Filipino American. So my parents were born in the Philippines and they moved to Hawaii Uh, during different parts of their lives, and then they eventually met on the island, and the rest is history. Um, A little bit about myself. So yeah, I was born and raised on Oahu, and I've lived on the island my whole life um, up until I graduated high school. Um, Then afterwards, I kind of just became a nomad (laughs) and jumped around. So I lived in California with my sister for a bit when she was um, completing her undergraduate studies. And then she kind of just pushed me to go to school. So I ended up applying to schools in Oregon. I don't know why I gravitated towards Oregon. I guess a lot of local kids uh, go to the PNW afterwards, and I don't blame them. The Pacific Northwest is beautiful. So I spent a semester at Eastern Oregon University. And um, yeah, (laughs) I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. So uh, I ended up finding my way back to California. And then a couple years later, I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a junior in college, majoring in psychology and minoring in biology. Thank you. And wow, you have been all over the place, which is a really great um, worldwide experience, as you can say. Yeah, of course. So to get a little um, our foot wet in a way, how have you been during this pandemic? Hmm. I have no idea. There's some days where I feel pretty numb and it's definitely really hard because I'm away from, you know, my family. Um, it's been a year since I've been back home and I've just been you know, I'm on back on campus. It's pretty odd being back on campus, but we're my school's much smaller than most universities, so we're trying our very best to kind of keep everything, you know, contained and safe. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with making sure that I give myself the 
mental health treatment that I need, especially during this time where just so many things are happening. So I'm fortunate to have the resources that I have on campus. We have um, like free um, counseling sessions uh, with some of the counseling students here. So yeah, it's been it's been all right. It's been weird. Definitely not ideal, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I guess, are you guys like face-to-face -face on campus or still online? Yeah, so they gave you the opportunity if you want to be remote, then you can. I mean, I wish that I could have done that, but, um, you know, I would be... In living in a five-hour time difference. If I were to go back home and then do school online, I'd have to, you know, wake up at like, what, five in the morning? I don't even know. Um, so I live on campus, but my classes are online. It's not a traditional 15-week semester because of the coronavirus. So we split the 15-week semester into two seven-week blocks. So I'm currently in my first seven-week block. And my first seven-week block is all online. And then my next seven weeks will be face-to-face, -face, which I don't know how I feel about it. Hopefully, we just continue to, you know, follow the rules, wear a mask, all that good stuff. Yes, definitely. And with that said, um, let's get on with the questions, especially because um, you mentioned previously that you are a 1.5 generation Filipino-American. Mm -hmm. So how is it like growing up in a Filipino household? It was interesting. Um, I think about that, you know, my parents coming from the Philippines and then kind of just reestablishing their life here, having to learn a different language and all that stuff. And then being raised, you know, as English speaking as my first language. I mean, I didn't noticed too much of a language barrier with my parents. I know that maybe with other, you know, Asian American um, kids, they might have that problem. Um, but it was all right. I think growing up in Hawaii allowed me to have a really peaceful upbringing, I feel like, just because everyone around me looked the same, you know, there was never a huge divide between races or people or color or whatever it was. So I just lived a, you know, a peaceful childhood. Um, yeah, it was pretty nice. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, and then after high school, like that's when I began to explore different things in different places. And I'm like, Whoa, like it's so different. I almost feel like we, I mean, I don't know if this is a bad thing, but I feel like we are very much sheltered because, you know, Hawaii is just such a big melting pot of cultures and heritage and traditions. So it was really refreshing to be there. <laughs> mm -hmm. I agree with you in, in that point, because a lot of people that I talked to when they said um, being Filipino Hawaii is such a a great kind of experience because there's a different races out there and you you don't really get to see it when you go into the mainland because it's only yeah. just just a black white mexican and that's it mm -hmm. and in hawaii it's just like um asians whites mm -hmm. and all of the different out there yeah it's I feel like Hawaii is very magical in that way. <laughs> Every everyone just you know gravitates toward that, but um, yeah, it's interesting to think about. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I and with that said, um, even if you did live in a had a peaceful upbringing, deep inside, like, have you personally struggled with like embracing your Filipinness? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I don't know if it's just me. I'm sure it's not just me. But I feel like I could never, I growing up, I never really hone in into my Filipino identity. Um, you know, I did the 
Miss Oahu Filipina pageant back in 2015. And, you know, I think about it then and thought about, you know, what was the reason that I joined it then? And I feel like I didn't have the right reasons then. I did it to please other people. And because I wasn't, you know, in tune with who I was. And then literally maybe a couple months ago, I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, would I do that again? Would I do Miss Oahu Filipina again? And I feel like being here in the South, it's so much different. It's so, it has definitely shaped my answer. I feel like I would do it again because now I know what it is to be a Filipino American. And I know, you know, the struggle. And I, it's just, it's just the matter of like how much my thought process has matured within those past five years. Um, it's um, interesting because growing up, my mom was also a part of Magsingal Association of Hawaii. And so I would go with her to these meetings or to these parties. And I never thought of it as like, oh, this is an association with a purpose. I just thought, you know, this is an extension of my family. I was young, so I never really knew what was going on. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I'd found out that, you know, they are doing fundraisers to help kids who are less fortunate in the Philippines to go to college. Like they have scholars for this organization. And I'm just like, wow, like <laughs> I feel like I see a little bit of myself and my mom and that and that she's a part of, you know, something so much greater than herself. So I think the reason why I had struggles embracing my personal identity is because I just never took the time to really understand what, you know, my heritage and understand where I came from. I feel like it's so easy to disregard those kinds of thoughts when you're surrounded by so many people who are like you that you feel like, oh yeah, well, I'm just in this group. You know what I'm saying? I just fit in this label or this background. But since I've been separated with that and since I've been separated with people who are like me, you know, like I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't even know where I can find Filipino food. So that, that kind of distance allows me to really figure out who I am and what my purpose is. And, you know, if I have a responsibility as a Filipino American, which I do, especially now that the coronavirus has sparked so much kind of outrage and oppressive or oppression towards the Asian American community. So yeah, I feel like now I'm just much more of an advocate and much more willing to learn about my heritage. Um, and I feel so much more connected now to my Filipino background than I have ever felt in, you know, in the rest of my life, so. And I guess I had a little question. Could you um, explain the organization that your mo your mother was in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she was in the Magsingal Association of Hawaii, and I hope that I'm saying that right. But so um, my mom is from Ilocosor, and she's from this little town called Magsingal. And I guess, you know, once people from that town started to migrate to Hawaii, um, they wanted, you know, a little organization to help other people feel at home and stuff like that. And like I said, I never really knew what the organization was about when I was growing up. So I really just had to ask my mom now, you know, 23 years later, like, what was that all about? And she said, yeah, you know, we would raise fun, we would do fundraisers and we would kind of pack up like buy-on boxes and then take them to the Philippines. And these boxes would be full with clothes or shoes, like all these um, things that would be donated to those less fortunate back home. Um, I remember going on this trip with some of the people from the organization going back home to the Philippines and we fed a school and I, I don't know how old I was I was probably like 12 and I feel like I didn't know what was happening then you know why were we doing this and all that but 
it's so interesting because I feel like a lot of these actions that they've done is so underspoken of. And, you know, that's the really incredible thing about the Filipino community is that they do so much, but, you know, sometimes we hear so little about it. And that's just like the beauty of the Filipino people. Um, but yeah, I, it, it it happened. We did those trips often, um, even when we weren't with organizations. If it was just a family trip, my mom and dad would buy a ton of these sort of kids meals from like Jollibee or something. And then we would go out in the streets um, and hand them off to kids. So it's really incredible. And I wish that I got to do that now, but <laughs> I'm all the way here and they're all the way there. So I think one thing that you mentioned that really brought so much, I guess, fascination is the fact that you just said why um why are we doing this um they don't mm -hmm. we don't really get to see more of what they do because yeah. a lot of our filipino communities like they do so much out there but i guess if you could agree with this um is a lot of the younger generations see it as like oh they're just they it's just the thing they do for like to make themselves feel good but mm -hmm. we don't really get to ask we don't really ask questions and I feel like yeah. that's something that we we tend to not do sometimes mm -hmm. and I I kind of could have like relate to you in one point like we, like even because I'm a 1.5 generation and like growing um growing up my dad would be involved with this Filipino community and I had the exact same like thinking as you like oh okay, what is this like um because I would always be in like my when my dad had like meetings with mm -hmm. the Filipino organization I'm just like oh why am I here or like what yeah. are they doing kind of thing but it's not until like you know when we have like that certain age where like oh so this was this and that was this like yeah oh, how can I um how can I be more involved like dang I yes. really miss that kind of thing so yeah. I like how you kind of mentioned that because I feel like pe people now, especially people in Hawaii, like the Filipinos here, like the children, they're like, I really didn't, you know, like they're kind of, kind of like noticing it now. And maybe that's just like a hidden gift, honestly. Like it's, it comes with time. We can't expect ourselves as little kids to process all that and to <laughs> kind of answer the question, oh, what's going on? It, instead, when I was a little kid, I would say, you know, this is this is really just my extended family. That's my auntie. That's my uncle. You know, and and we're 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 just here. We're just here, and to kind of look back and unravel these sort of things, and then ask my mom the questions. I think it gives it makes your heart a little softer, Be especially when you notice yourself like wanting to do the same thing, and you're just like, wow, like my parents did that, my mom did that, my dad did that, like, really, like, that's incredible, and it's inspiring, and literally, like, I feel, you know, these actions are, like I said, just the epitome of Filipino people, um, so it's, it's really nice, I think it's a warm, nostalgic feeling <laughs> when mm -hmm. I think about it. And another inter interesting point that you bring up is this, uh, and a quote that kind of like resonated is distance makes the heart grow fonder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I bring this up because you said that, um, especially since you're not here in Hawaii and you're in Texas where um, you don't really see any people that's the same as you. So that made you more appreciate and made you more like kind of I want to do the same as like my what my mom did when mm -hmm. we were growing up. So that was something that um, I kind of saw that was very yeah. closely connected. Yeah, um, you know, something that my mom would say is, you know, always kind of like fight for yourself or fight for your right. Um, 
So yeah, I am in Tennessee, which is, I feel like Texas is a lot more diverse than Tennessee. I am not too sure. I haven't spent a lot of time in Texas, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would, you know, when I first moved here, it wasn't until like three months that I was living here where I thought I'd seen another Filipino person. <laughs> so it was very like, almost like self deprivation <laughs> um but so yeah my mom you know hearing about the things that she was involved in and stuff like that because I know that she used to do pageants and all that my mom is very strong-willed and I feel like that just got passed on to me here especially now more than ever with everything that is going on in the world, you know, with the um, civil rights movement. And, you know, I'm basically in the heart of where the civil rights movement happened. So just being able to be quote unquote, an activist for POC and for minority groups, especially like me is just so much more amplified here because I feel like, so little people know or are wanting to know about, you know, the Filipino culture, the Filipino people and all that. So um, I, I I sort of see like this responsibility for myself being here in Tennessee as a Filipino American woman to just use my voice whenever I can um, and, you know, be active in groups that I know would advocate for me and for other people like me. So, yeah. And I'm so sorry. I mixed it up. I, I keep seeing Texas instead of Nashville, <laughs> which I got myself. I was like, wait, hold on. You're good. But, I think Texas is, Texas is a couple states away. So, And to bring that up, especially you said that um, Nashville is the center of where the, the civil rights happen um, for you I guess trying to like give a follow-up question is that have you ever had um, that drive in you to to want to start something especially Filipino organization in in, in where you are you know, I think about it uh, <laughs> because I know on Facebook, it's so easy to create a group, you know, like, oh, I don't know if you know what subtle Asian traits are <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. Um, it's very like, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's from it's people from all over the globe who are in this group and I'm like wow it's literally so easy to just go on Facebook and create a page of like oh Filipinos in Tennessee or something um I don't know I I thought about it but I've never pulled through with it um even on my campus there's probably only two Filipinos and I'm one of them uh <laughs> the other girl she is part of like the diversity council on campus and i'm thinking about joining that also but yeah i definitely want to do more you know being i definitely want to do more i feel like this is the perfect perfect opportunity to i feel like i have more resources however sometimes some of the those resources are not like necessarily relevant to me and my culture which kind of sucks um but yeah, I do think about it because I get homesick. I feel like I I find I feel like I've only ever met one person from Hawaii outside of school. There's there's probably two people from Hawaii that go to my school. Um and they're not even from Oahu. They're like from, you know, another island. <laughs> and then I met another girl who um I think she went to Campbell and I met her at a rock climbing gym. So that was super cool. <laughs> we connect here and there, but yeah, aside from that, not much. <laughs> and I don't know if I asked you this question, but just to um, get the conversation going again is 
before now, how do you see yourself with your own cultural identity? I feel like now more than ever, I'm wanting to find answers for myself. Um, I feel more connected, even though I'm literally disconnected to other Filipino people because of where I am. And it's just really interesting because I feel like people are still confused with what I am when they see me mm -hmm. here sometimes. Like they don't know, you know, what am I? <laughs> I feel like I went to, I went to the doctors maybe a couple weeks ago and yeah, the nurse lady was just like, oh, are you Hispanic? And I'm like, no, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're just pretty confused. And so now more than ever, I feel like I'm so willing to tell you about who I am and so willing to tell you about where I came from. And and I'm not Hawaiian just because I'm from Hawaii. <laughs> like, just, I feel like, I feel like I am just this person coming to an unknown land, trying to tell other people, like, about my culture and heritage literally like just i feel like not many people know about filipinos here at least so i feel connected in that i feel you know i am calling my mom and my grandma to kind of teach me how to cook filipino food since i'm so deprived here <laughs> um and telling my friends about the Filipino food that I eat or cook. So it's it's cool, I guess. And to raise a question is, when you do go out, do you ever get this question a lot? Um, are you... Are you this ethnic race? Are you... Um, or you get comments like, oh, you look like, you look like certain race that I know of. Mm -hmm. Like those kind of questions. Um. And I guess where yeah. I'm going with this is that um, you felt, you have you ever felt like so misidentified in a way that you just, it caused you to like, want to like search for more? Answers. oh my god yes yes and it's so hard because i feel like you know where's the threshold to differentiating like someone being racist or someone just really trying to just someone who just really doesn't know mm -hmm. so like i said i'm a i'm a barista for starbucks mm -hmm. and i worked at a drive-through starbucks and um I don't want to get deep here, but like, I mean, but this is part of my experience being a Filipino American in the South. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was this car that came up to the drive through. I gave them their drinks and it was a car full of older white men. <laughs> and um, I gave them their drinks and their change. And this guy, the, the I don't even know, I think he was the one in the driver's seat, whatever, he was just like, oh, I hope you didn't give me pesos. And I was just like, wait, why? Why would I give you pesos? And I don't know if he meant pesos as in like, you know, the Filipino currency or, you know, Mexican currency. So either way, it didn't sit with me well. And I was just like, wait, what? And I feel like in moments like that, you kind of just like, freeze up because you don't know what to say mm -hmm. so it was um, an odd experience but definitely not my first or my last being here mm -hmm. so well that right when you like about to mention I'll just like I think I think I know which race is it I was like oh that that was very much of a grueling experience for you especially because um 
you don't know their intentions behind it. Like you don't know if they're mocking you or they're just trying to um because what you what you see on mass media is that there's a lot of um comedians that poke fun of our culture. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, you don't really know where people are at, especially if they're taking it for literally or for jokes. And, oh, for sure, yeah. And there was this term that we discussed in our class and it was called um, ethnic hazing. So it's similar to like what frat, frat hazing is, like trying to um, go along, especially go along with something that you don't even know how they feel. And I feel like right. that is the term that many of us kind of like are going through because a lot of people who are poking fun of our culture do mm-hmm. it because they don't want to be left out and they want to fit in with the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting perspective and I don't think I really heard about that. But yeah, you know, and like I said, I never, I, I cannot differentiate really um, if someone is truly uh, curious or if they mm-hmm. just you know, I don't know if they just have ill intentions, but I feel like people just need to kind of educate themselves on how to, how to approach or ask questions of, you know, people of color or whatever. You know, I was working and I was making a drink or whatever. And, um, this guy, he just says, Oh, what country are you from? And I was like, um, I'm from Hawaii, so I guess I'm from the United States of America. <laughs> like, it's not hard. It's not hard to look up. How do you ask someone where they are from? Or, you know, it's literally, what is your ethnicity? Not what is your nationality, unless you wanted me to tell you that I'm from America or whatever. <laughs> so it's kind of things like that, just little things like that, that uh is sort of a pet peeve because it's just like you know we are in 2020 mm-hmm. i think there's so you know if there's ever a time to be educated on your peers on how to speak to other people of color even for me as a filipino american and how mm-hmm. to speak or how, how to um like regard you know an African-American person or a Hispanic person or anything like that, even another Asian-American person. So the times are changing. And I think with that, 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 that includes learning how to respectfully identify people and not even, wait, actually not even identify, but respectfully like trying to learn how to, have them identify themselves, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think what you um, bring up, that's a really good point, is that we are in 2020 and we see a lot of um, race and ethnic being more um, so pervasively important in this time because we see a lot of things on the news and it's practically what we've been learning in history at the same time it's what we need to also acknowledge that it's really becoming a problem Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) i don't i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and going back to um your narrative a little bit because like we can go on and on with this topic but we're here to focus on you (laughs) um (laughs) Especially with growing up as a Filipino-American, as a 1.5 Filipina, have you actually, did your family taught you the language or did you pick it up yourself? Konte lang. <laughs> Just a little bit. I feel like um, I learned a lot from TFC. Oh my goodness. There's really so much about me tied into the Filipino culture. Uh, Because, like, growing up, my parents, they kind of co-produced some of the, like, concerts when, I don't know, when, you know, Filipino artists or whatever would come here. 
And so I used to be the opening singer for, you know, what's his name? Like Pomoy, Pomelito or something like that. (laughs) Marcelito Pomoy. (laughs) I don't know. So it was just my parents were involved in a lot of those kinds of productions. And I would meet, you know, these, I would meet these, you know, artistas, artistas. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what their names are anymore. It's (laughs) 2017 was my last, like, was the last time that I sang for one of these concerts. Um, um, Sorry. Oh, my goodness. I I feel like I'm going off topic. (laughs) Can you explain again to me <laughs> no problem no problem um it was just um a little um going more into your narrative because language is part of our identity and since you yes. were someone that um came here at a young age i wanted to see if you learned the language or did your parents mm-hmm. have to reteach it to you yeah, so TFC, I learned a lot. I feel like I know a lot more Tagalog than I know Ilocano or Visayan because my dad's Visayan, my mom is Ilocano. So I feel like their dialects are so complex and different from Tagalog. Um, but I always, you know, heard that, oh, Tagalog is what you speak. Not from my parents necessarily, but like it's so interesting being on the island and then hearing Filipinos talk to one another because I hear a lot more Ilocano on the island than I would in the mainland. Like when I'm in California or wherever and there is a good group of Filipino community, I hear them speaking a lot more Tagalog. And then lo and behold, I find out that they're like Ilocano, but they just speak Tagalog. So it's super interesting how these dialects sort of become like social classes but at the end of the day like you know these each Filipino dialect is so intricate and so interesting like the Visayan uh dialect I I cannot keep up it's I feel like it's a lot the Ilocano dialect I also feel like it's a lot and I cannot keep up but they're so interesting in a in and of themselves like as their dialects you know um so yeah just i i feel like i understand a lot more than i could speak i hope that you know i could go back to learning more whether that's just tagalog or what um my mom my mom actually even now sometimes like just to keep my brain going or whatever we'll facetime each other and then we'll try i'll try my best to have a conversation with her in tagalog i mean i know she would rather speak ilocano but i just i i don't understand too much ilocano And that's actually really great because now that we are in like technological advances, like we can just FaceTime our parents and they can like teach us a little bit about their language. Um, even if we can't speak it, um, trying mm-hmm. to be able to understand it is one, one way of like having that still reconnecting. Yeah, for sure. And going off of that is that when you first heard the word reclaim, our Filipino identity. What was the first word that came? When I think about reclaim, I just, I feel like it it literally just means reconnect. So, you know, to reclaim my Filipina identity, I feel like that just means to come back to, you know, what, I knew so little about then and I feel like that you have to kind of go on your own pace with that in reclaiming your identity you can't force yourself to try and learn about who you are like it takes time and um in reclaiming my Filipino identity 
it also means reclaiming my identity as a whole entire person. So that takes time. And, you know, I can't, I can't learn about my Filipino, Filipino identity in one night. It has to come with talking to my family and talking to my friends and then, you know, disassociating myself. I mean, that's not necessary really. Like, but I mean, that's the situation that I am in is I am dissociated from my identity, I guess, from my culture. So with that, I kind of have to work on my own and on my own pace to figure out, you know, who I am and what it is that I'm made out of, I guess. So I think that's what it means to reclaim my identity is to reconnect or also explore my identity. And there's really no right or wrong answer to this because it's literally your own interpretation. And this question is a, a workable answer, especially because it comes from your time and your experience. And for you, as you, as where you are right now in the world, like being able to reclaim something, um, trying to emphasize what you said is that it is being able to have that sort of reconnection to for you, um, your family, our culture, and to even like pass that. And that's something that maybe in a couple, like 10 years or now, um, this, your answer may change. And that is very valid because it's our identity, like, as I learn, is like an onion. There's so much more to unravel. <laughs> yeah. And it's that um, embracing also the trauma that has been passed on to us. Oh, yeah, for sure. So with that saying, where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? And do you see yourself doing the same thing that your parents have passed on to you? In terms of, in terms of um, their profession, probably not. <laughs> um, in ten years, I don't think I've asked myself this in a bit. <laughs> in ten years, I hope to see myself out of school and in my own home. Mm-hmm. I hope to be closer to home, um, not in the south, really. Um, I hope to be starting my own family by then. I hope to be established. I hope to be an inspiration to those that I meet. I know that right now I'm still a work in progress. Um, But it's because, and I'm saying like I hope to be an inspiration and all that because I see myself as an advocate. And I hope that my moves will have meaning to them. I hope that my work will have meaning to them. I hope that my words will have meaning to them. And so really like, I think I aspire to, I aspire to inspire people. And I, you know, I I, I brought this up earlier about the whole like, oh, what I do miss Oahu Filipina again. It doesn't have to be that platform if I decided Mm -hmm. to. I don't need to be on that sort of platform to make a statement for myself and for who, you know, I identify as or what I identify as. I think standing where we are right now is enough of a platform. And it's the matter of how we grow our platform and who we talk to and how we network ourselves as an individual to make a statement to other people. Um so that kind of reclaiming and reconnecting, you know, with those that we know and those that we are familiar with and those that we don't know. So, yeah, I hope I see myself in 10 years just being a lot more wiser and being more influential than I am now, than I am now, Um I really hope to establish myself. I don't necessarily know how, like, 
if that means that I'll have a business or whatever it is. Um, and I also hope that I am like my parents in that way that they help other people. Um, even though that may not be through the same career path than they are, um, I still hope to help people. And whether that means helping to break stigmas within the Filipino community and within the Asian culture, then I would love to be a part of that because there are so many stigmas that need to be broken. Um, and I can, I can emphasize on that if you want me to. If this is running too long, then it's fine. But yeah, I feel like um, I want to be able to identify with my culture that is true to me. And with that, I feel like I have a responsibility to break down whatever stigmas that hold myself from identifying fully with my Filipino culture. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. You know, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to um, our physicalities, and all that, like, I just want the Filipino culture to understand that, you know, these are normal things. We, know, we need to normalize treating mental health. We need to normalize, you know, realistic physicalities. <laughs> so, yeah. And, yes, you can... Go. Um, you can expand on what you said. <laughs> yeah, I wanted. I didn't want to interrupt in any way. That's why I want. I wanted to wait after. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I feel like I. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking so much, but, um, I feel like the reason why it was also a struggle for me to embrace my personal identity as a Filipina is because, like I said. You know, my parents did a lot of production and stuff mm -hmm. like that with, um, uh, I don't know, TFC, GMA or whatever. Yeah. I I don't really know the full whatever details. Yeah. And so when these artistas would come to the island and I would be able to hang out with them and stuff like that. Yes, many of them were super sweet and so nice. But I was the complete opposite from what they were. You know, they were light skin. I was dark skin. I had crazy untamed hair and they had really nice, like, I don't know, Asian westernized hair, if that's even a thing. Like, just complete opposites. And, um, yeah, I just feel like that was that was so different, you know, oh, I'm looking at this television program and you want me to look like that? <laughs> so it, there was a huge disconnect with, with what the idealism of beauty for Filipinos were. And I feel like every time I went to the Philippines, <laughs> I just felt like a giant. <laughs> It's so different there, like a giant, literally, like just, you know, my average American women body was like obese to the people of the Philippines or something, or I was too dark or something like that. So uh, it was a lot, I think, going back and forth with, you know, do I want to be happy in my own skin and be proud of myself? with my own like representation of myself or do I want to fit into this mold of the beauty standards of, you know, the Filipina women or something like that. So uh, it was quite the um, struggle trying to feel happy in my skin. And not that you bring that up, and thank you for sharing, actually, is because your parents were involved with having to bring, like, the artistas from the Philippines here, I, I kind of, 
felt like you had like a sense of um it kind of pressured you to look a certain way and to have like a certain expectation to fulfill mm-hmm. yeah i mean for sure i like yes i would be surrounded by these people not all the time obviously because they were only here for x amount of days of the year or whatever um I don't know. I think I think at the end of the day, I decided to stick with myself and to stick with who I was comfortable in being. Um, I don't know why. I feel like I have always sort of been like that, though. Like even through mm-hmm. high school, I kind of just did whatever made me feel OK in my skin. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's. It's so odd. <laughs> I feel like I bring these things up, but, you know, I end up just listening to myself and just wearing things that were true to me. I know there were, <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, I think honestly, like, that's a really powerful thing that you have in that self awareness that you have. Like, you know it, like, you know the stigmas, you know what's wrong. But mm-hmm. the power that you have that you you don't have to listen to those things. Like you don't have to listen to those stigmas. Like you're literally a walking example of the person that you aspire to be. And I think that's really beautiful because you say that you don't like the stigmas and you really don't and you want to like break the stigmas. But and, and like, I'm hearing you and as as powerful as your words are like you really are someone that I really feel like someone needs um needs to hear from because you literally um I feel like your words can um have an impact on the next on like young on the younger generation most especially oh I appreciate that thank you yeah, I mean, I I don't know why it is that I am this way. <laughs> I feel like I'm just pretty like tough-headed and hard-headed and that's in all aspects. <laughs> you know, being a middle child and all that. Um and so like I wanted I I felt like I've always wanted to challenge certain ideals or ideas whatever like I don't know why, but <laughs> I think it's because I, my mom always told me, like, you just have to fight for yourself and fight for mm-hmm. your right. And with that, that means that I should fight in what I believe in and I should fight for, you know, because I know that I wasn't, pro- I probably wasn't the only one feeling the way that I did or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if I'm fighting for myself, um, most of the time I'm also fighting for other people, so. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the characteristics of our Filipino people have is that resiliency mm-hmm. and the power to the power to even make a make a change and make a statement and and it's funny because next month is actually Filipino Heritage Month and the theme oh, yeah. of this year is Filipino activists. So that's I awesome. I see a, I see a little activism in you. I think there is an activism. In oh, America, I'm so honestly. glad. <laughs> and to close off, the main question is, and you and you brought it up multiple times, but if you were invited to do a TED Talk and you could give an advice to, um, or give a graduation commencement speech to the young generation, what would be your advice? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Chachi. You kind of like broke up in the oh. beginning of that. So I don't know what your question was. Oh, okay. No problem. So uh, my question was, if you were at a TED Talk graduation commencement and you had to give an advice to the next generation, to the future generation, what would that advice be? I think it would just be to be true to yourself and to give yourself the slack that you need and to not be so hard on yourself 
and most most especially like to just realize how you got to the point that you are you know whether that's recognizing the struggle that your parents had to go through whether that's recognizing the struggle that your grandparents had to go through you know you got to this point for a reason so be uh mindful of that i would also say you know as cliche as it sounds like follow your dreams and work really hard at it and yeah I, I like I feel like a lot of my advice are very much cliches, but there is so much like truth in these cliches that I feel like, oh, if someone told me that, I would be like, yeah, whatever. And then I think about it later and be like, no, this person's actually so right. <laughs> um, thank you. And I really appreciate you coming on to this podcast and to giving us a little enlightenment and sharing part of sharing us about you, especially. Um, I really feel like your narrative is very valuable and there's a lot of things that people can take from your story. I really appreciate that, Tachi. And I am super proud and appreciate appreciative of the things that you're doing with this podcast and I just you know only pray that this continues to grow this platform continues to grow for us as Filipina women I know that it doesn't end here it doesn't start Mm -hmm. here either and yeah this is part of our resilience as Filipina Mm -hmm. Filipino people so you need to continue to keep this going (laughs) yeah and I think I, I don't know if I shared this with you but um, I knew that I met you in middle school and can I just say that you were one of the people that kind of inspired me to keep um, going and to have that resilience because oh my gosh yeah because in middle school I would always like be like oh wow like Megan is very like so um out there like so courageous and like I always aspired to be like you and like seeing where you are now like I'm really inspired by like how you like make of yourself like you never cared about like what others people would think of you like you always know how to to work yourself. Chachi I think that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard from anyone and that that is Oh my goodness. I'll probably go cry afterwards. <laughs> That's that is so incredible and I think really like the biggest thing to that is really just staying true to yourself. And it's mm-hmm. it's interesting because, you know, I even even at this point, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in 5 years from now, in 10 years from now. As much as I want to say, "Oh yeah, I've got a plan." You know, things change things in the world like happens, (laughs) like no one wanted freaking COVID to happen, Mm -hmm. but things happen and things change. And I think, I think sometimes you just kind of have to sit by yourself and really ask yourself, what do you want to do with this time? And I know that Mm -hmm. I've quote unquote wasted a lot of time, but at the same time, that wasted time was also very much productive Mm -hmm. in the way that it has shaped my personality and my goals and all that. And and I wanna say to you, like I remember you too. (laughs) Like I don't have the best memory, but I feel like you're just super sweet. And I feel like seeing you do these things now is like very much power moves. And I'm so proud of you for doing this because I have not seen someone that I know create a platform where people like us can speak and can share our stories you know what because like we're so much more similar than we think we are uh Mm -hmm. divided and in a world that is very much divided I feel like Mm -hmm. things like this are so important in making us feel home making us feel safe and welcome and you know belonged basically and so I I give you so much props because I feel like I would have said oh yeah I can make a podcast but have I done it no but you have 
So I hope you can give yourself, you know, the credit that you deserve and just thank you for creating this platform. It, it means so much to me as it would mean to, you know, a good chunk of the Filipino community. So I'm sure our, um, how do you say old, older people in Filipino? Kapabayan? <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like, you know, they're also very much proud of you for doing this because you're just keeping this huge legacy alive. So, uh, No worries. I think old people in Filipino is matatanda, which is But Kapabayan is community. No worries. Oh my goodness, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> and I think, like, ev- um, honestly, like, everyone, especially, um, we're, we never stop learning about our culture. That is one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ever so changing in a world like today. But um, my last two questions is actually one of the funner question, which is... What is your favorite Filipino dish? Oh my god. And what is your favorite <laughs> Filipino word? <laughs> my favorite Filipino dish, it, it could never be singular. It's always dishes. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love bangosi uh bangosisi. Oh my god. I love adobo. Um I really like the adobo from I don't know what that place is called, but it's in Waipahu, in that little, like, shopping center. Oh, my goodness. Their adobo is so good. Um, Kambingan? Yes! <laughs> yes! And I am a sucker for halo halo. I will always say yes to a good halo halo. As if any halo halo could be bad, but, you know. <laughs> it's a possibility. Yeah, it depends on who make it. Um, um, my favorite, <laughs> like, Filipino phrase is when people say, Ang grabe naman. <laughs> it's just so funny. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I feel it. I feel like when people say, Ang grabe naman is like the English equivalent of like, are you kidding me? Or, oh my goodness, like, you're too much or whatever. I don't know. You could, you could translate that in so many ways but it's just so extra or when people say ang social you know like <laughs> it's so funny it's just so funny to me but you'll probably always hear me say that if if i'm like really feeling myself <laughs> um, and those are the two phrases of like the filipino phrases that you can interpret it as much as you want because Yes. It's a, it's so it's it's like what you said it's very it's catchy. It's catchy and very universal. Very much universal. You could hear a bird say it probably. Ungrabinaman. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny to say. <sighs> and actually like um I think now I'm collecting all of the phrases that people say and we're gonna use it to make a little merch out of it just for yes fun. that would be so amazing oh my goodness oh, i would i would buy a shirt that said that easy <laughs> easy but with that said um again um do you have any last closing thoughts um before we officially wrap up today yeah, um, you know, for those out there who are kind of like me and have struggled with identifying with their culture, whether that's just, you know, another Asian culture or the Filipino culture, you know, don't give up. Don't give up on your people. <laughs> don't give up on your community. Don't give up on understanding your heritage because there's so much more to it. And like Chachi said literally these things are like onions there's just so many layers to this and especially in finding your identity um, it takes time but you should know that you know the Filipino people are beautiful and the Filipino culture is beautiful and um, yeah don't give up follow your dreams the best cliches I could ever tell you those cliches that really sound very real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and with that said, 
do you um do you want our listeners to follow you at your socials? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm very much a BLM activist, I guess, or a BLM supporter, um, and all that. So if you guys are interested in following me on my journey towards all that, you guys can. In my Instagram is Megan High, like Hawaii. M-A-Y-G-A-N, hi. Um, I do also have a YouTube channel that I sometimes post things on, like product reviews and all that good stuff. And it's just my name, Megan Navarrete. Um, yeah, and I'm always down for a good conversation. So DM me, PM me, email me. I don't know. Page me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, thank you, Megan, for coming on. And... Maybe on the next one, we'll have you on our YouTube video mental health session. That would be amazing. Oh, so much to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) But with that said, thank you for coming on. And... And thank you guys for tuning in for listening to Megan Navarrete's narrative. Interviewing her for this episode was really a lot of learning, especially knowing her experience. And there is just something about being born and raised in Hawaii as a Filipino that is so impactful. Like, for someone like me who came to Hawaii at a really young age and became a settler in Hawaii, it's the experience is different for someone who were poor born here. And I think that people need to continue to hear those stories and those voices because there is so much that people need to learn about us. So, without further ado, agyamanak unay, kadakayo amin for just listening and then just making it to the very end of the episode. As always, if you want to support our podcast, feel free to do so. The links are in our description box below. And if you want to contribute by submitting your own poet or narrative to be posted on our blog and even our Instagram, please email us. Everything you need to know is in the description box below. And as always, if you want to suggest something to us, feel free to send us a voice message and you might be featured in the next episode. Who knows? Thank you guys and have a splendid rest of your day.